0: Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host,
1: Ethan Hamilton.
0: If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. If you would like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please send us a note there. If you sign up for our mailing list, you will get a copy of my full 2021 Rookie Dynasty rankings that won't be up on the website And we will provide that to you in advance of your draft. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at Diedownload2020. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. With that, welcome back, my friend. It's been a long time away for both of us. How are you?
1: I am really, really good. Can't complain. Had a baby. Bucks won the championship life is
0: life's going pretty well how about you it's been it has been one of the better sports summers of my lifetime that i can remember the brewers have been really good the bucks went deep in or won the championship but like with covid and the start of the season being delayed like the instead of the finals being the second week in june it was the second week in july the u.s has beaten mexico twice this summer in big finals games. So, yeah, it's it's been a pretty interesting summer so far, sports-wise. But with the NFL back, it's my favorite. I'm ready to start the season. I'm ready to get going on a regular season of college football, not these weird abbreviated ones with constantly canceled games and you don't know what's going to go on. Uh, I'm ready to start my Premier League fantasy team, my college football fantasy team, and all the other f- – fantasy football stuff that we have going on
1: you sound very very busy
0: (laughs) i i very much am but i never have too little time to spend here so while we've been away there has been further developments and frankly i'm glad that we didn't have to give updates and people weren't looking to us for the as the aaron Rodgers turns drama but We kind of apparently have this situation every 15 or 16 years in Green Bay now where we turn from one Hall of Fame quarterback to the next, and this is kind of that peak point, but he is in camp. He is going to be playing for Green Bay this year. I don't know anything past that, but this year, that's what it is. Devontae Adams is still there. They brought in Randall Cobb now. The offensive line looks pretty decent in camp. Uh, I know that we're Packers-Homers on this particular program, but I think as far as fantasy-wise, you can assume that the offense will be marginally similar to what we had last year.
1: Most definitely. I'm really excited for the start of the year to get going. I'm very excited that he's here in camp. I'm really excited that he seems to be 100% all-in. I guess it's not a bad problem to have every 16 years or so, a Hall of Fame quarterback to this. But, uh, you know, you out of everyone here, you were the one that was steadfast that he was coming back. It was really a weird roller coaster of emotions for me. I eventually got to the point this summer where I was just over all of it, where I was like, I don't really care if he comes or not. Um, I'm just ready to get the season underway, but it seems that we do have at least one more year of Aaron Rodgers, and I am very
0: happy that he's back in camp. With him being the quarterback, they are clearly in title contention mode, and they are a title contender. Have no doubts about that. My only reason for sticking on the same point was the same reason I gave when we did our previous offseason shows when it came to both Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. The teams have extraordinary leverage, particularly after the last collective bargaining agreement that extends, I think, another eight years, nine years into the future over what these players do. And it's not even the situation where if they hold out, the teams can give the money back or do any of that. No, it is much more scorched earth when it comes to players and being empowered. And yet it comes at such a time Where quarterbacks are demanding more leverage within the front offices of teams than ever before. And to me, that comes from one thing. Jared Cook fumbled the fucking football in New Orleans in that playoff game and Tampa Bay went on to win the Super Bowl. Because if New Orleans wins that game, goes up to Green Bay, almost nobody would have been picking New Orleans to win that game. And Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl where he walked into Tampa Bay, commanded the situation, brought in Antonio Brown against Bruce Arians' wishes, I think that's clearly on record, I think has elevated everybody, not to mention bringing back Rob Gronkowski out of retirement or anything else. You're starting to see all of these quarterbacks say, hey, I want that situation, and if you don't want to give me it here, I'm going to walk away because I'm sure somebody else is willing to give that to me.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, and I do think these football players see the basketball players and how much leverage they have in the NBA, and they're like, I want some of that as well. So I think that has a lot to do with it too. And two, just the different times that we're in. Times are different now. People are demanding more and are tired of just being little cogs in the machine. And Aaron Rodgers, I guess, got to that point where he felt that – This was his position to, and this was his time to maybe be able to do something about it and kind of change the way um, Green Bay does things, even if he's a sacrificial lamb in the whole process. But I guess you got to applaud him for standing for what he believes in. Um, Just as a Packer fan, it's really frustrating.
0: No, I definitely agree with you there. And it is interesting. I guess I hadn't considered that the environment, not just in football, but just the workforce in general in America right now is very much on the side of pro-labor and maybe not in a unionized setting but essentially i'm not going to stick around or put up with a job that i don't like as i have been doing previously i have options so maybe that is fueling some of this desire or this eagerness collectively to want to be in better positions or better yourselves but I find it an interesting dichotomy because you don't see it at almost any other position, maybe a little bit in wide receiver with Julio Jones moving teams or guys demanding bigger contracts. You know, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams immediately come to mind, but it really outside of a couple of named players on the wide receiver level, you really don't see it outside of quarterbacks that think they should have a say in personnel decisions or at least be part of the conversation. So I don't know. It's an interesting conundrum. I think basketball is slightly different in the position and how the team rosters are made and that you usually have to build around a star in order to make a team, whereas football is much more of a a collective team because you can't play both sides of the football. But I I guess we'll see. It's not going away. The fact that we've had multiple quarterbacks this offseason have this power struggle with their franchise is only indicative that this is going to end up being a larger issue that may encompass the whole league at some point. All right. So other offseason notes to talk about the COVID protocols are here and the NFL is not going to be pushing or moving around games as they were last season if you have to forfeit a game. Because you have too many guys on the COVID protocol list, you are going to forfeit that game, it will be awarded to the other team, but boy, there's going to have to be some fantasy considerations made if that ever comes to fruition, and I know what you're thinking audience out there that, oh, no, there's no way that they could possibly lose like an entire position group or have all of their quarterbacks hurt or injured like Denver last year. Well, just look at the Minnesota Vikings quarterback room right now where they had literally every quarterback listed on COVID list. So it's not that it is likely, but it is possible. So just take that to note this year that that could be a ongoing situation. We could have some weirdness, yet even into 2021, and I know the Delta variant and everything has got some people worried or on edge, but for the most part, life has kind of reopened, and we thought even a couple of weeks ago that things were going to return to normal. This is just one more thing to add into the mix this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I kind of felt the same way that it should have been like that last year, that if you had enough people and COVID list that you should have to forfeit and should be a loss. I think just being responsible is part of just as much part of winning as anything, but it'll be interesting to see. It puts, I guess, commissioners in a weird spot as well. Different types of rules for the league now, depending on if teams are out. I don't know if you've thought about that or not. I know I haven't really. It just kind of popped into my head, but these last two years in fantasy, I mean, this year and last year, uh, it's been really interesting. And I think it really does take a, a special person and a lot more attention to detail when it comes to setting up your roster.
0: Yes, I certainly agree on that front. And realistically, I'm going to operate things as normal until we reach a situation where I have to address it. And I think that's pretty much the situation every commissioner should. You give yourself maximum flexibility to make adjustments as needed but you also try and be fair and deliberate as best as possible. There are decisions you'll eventually have to make in the moment that you won't have anticipated in preseason week two that you have to carry out in, I don't know, week 11. So it's just an ongoing situation. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. It's just something to keep on your toes about as we go along because you know there's going to be at least a couple of big-name players that are going to miss games this year. Also, other notes, the 17-game schedule kicks in this season, so we will no longer have teams eligible for a 500 record at 8-8, eight and eight. looking back at you 80s Packers. And there are only three preseason games this year, but I don't imagine that a lot of guys, especially if you're a veteran in the league, are going to be featured in a lot of those games. So the utility of using those as, I don't know, game film to watch, trying to get a read on things going into the fantasy season is less than it is probably ever been. Yeah. You know,
1: over the course of the last like three years, for sure, you're seeing less and less starters play in any of the preseason games more than anything and still being able to pick off, pick up right where they left off at the end of last year into the regular season. Uh, Just a lot more practice and timing and all that stuff during practice. But yeah, it does make it a little bit harder to to set up your squad, but it does give you a little bit more time to check out the rookies and stuff as well, and maybe a couple sleeper people. But yeah, it doesn't make it it doesn't make it easier.
0: A lot less time to scout. The one position I might say that you get a little bit better read on is is we may get a lot of starting time for some of these younger quarterbacks that are eventually going to be the successors to whomever is at the position, or let's say, for example, Trey Lance behind Jimmy Garoppolo. I can see him playing a lot in preseason. You can see Justin Fields behind Andy Dalton, Jordan Love with Aaron Rodgers. There's a whole lot of young quarterbacks that'll probably get work in preseason and are going to probably look bad, but it's looking at what throws and what abilities they can do and what they may eventually turn into before you would draft them in their potential leagues. Any of the guys that are drafted as running back number twos, uh, again, San Francisco comes to mind with Trey Sermon behind Raheem Mostert. You get a couple of these other position guys where maybe they're going to get some work early on. I think, if anything, preseason is advantageous for dynasty players. It is not great for redraft players. Yeah,
1: 110% about that.
0: (laughs) All right, so we will turn our attention to the main focus of this particular episode. We thought a good use of our time to come back with is our top five bounce back candidates. So just kind of the rules are as I understood them guys that had down last seasons, Kind of think about it in comeback player of the year mode. A lot of the guys on my list ended up having major injuries last year or just bad seasons due to missing time and games, but essentially could make a comeback. These are guys that I think most of us expect to have some sort of bounce back. We're not sure what. So maybe I copped out a little bit for this uh, as opposed to taking a risk on a few other players. But do you have your top five ready? I do. Ready to go. All right. So since this is only a top five, I'm just going to read. I did a top ten personally, but I'm going to give my ten through six before we start on your number five. So my number ten, Cortland Sutton. I do think that he's going to come back. I do also think that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the starting quarterback, and I think he's reliable enough, especially to outside receivers, that Cortland Sutton is not going to be – maybe even a wide receiver two, but can he get back in the top wide receiver three conversation where he's flex playable? I think so. Uh, I know that the ball has to spread a lot around in that offense, given the amount of different mouths to feed right now with Noah Fant and Jerry Judy and all the other pass catchers they have. Then you talk about Melvin Gordon still on that roster, and then you got to Javante Williams. Coming in as a rookie running back, which we all assume by probably about midseason will have the starting job. It's going to be tough to get everybody the football. I still think he's got a lot of talent, and it's going to take him a few weeks. But this is a guy that we had a lot of expectations for coming into last season. And that knee injury really uh, hampered what could have been his breakout campaign. Number nine, Michael Thomas. This guy was too good. He had too much of a touchdown regression. he had zero touchdown catches last year in only nine games played. I think he is a much better wide receiver than he showed last season, and there were a whole lot of reasons that he had a down season that I won't even go into. But I think that just on a regression standpoint, he's going to have a lot of positive regression. Is he ever going to get back to that clear number one status? Absolutely not. I don't think with what New Orleans has operating right now that he can, but I think that he clearly could bounce back. Saquon Barkley at number eight. I think this one is an obvious one, but he's somebody that why I am have him at number eight is I'm still very wary of where he's going to be when he comes back and how healthy he's going to be coming back. I think that there's a distinct possibility that he opens up the season – on the IR, which may only be three weeks and misses a few games. So take that into consideration if you're going to potentially draft him in the first round. But he is still a very talented back in a Giants offense where they upgraded at almost every position outside of quarterback. So if he can get the ball and do some things, he has the potential to come back in a very good way. Number seven, Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb was a top 10 running back already last year. So you might be saying, why the hell is he on this list? Because he missed a bunch of games. And I think Nick Chubb is a top five running back. Even with Kareem Hunt there, this is a team dedicated to the run that's getting better, that has a top five offensive line, and he is their workhorse back. And even with Kareem Hunt there, he is still on pace to be a top five back until he went down. This is a guy that I expect to finish in the top five. Number six, number six, Another guy that unfortunately hit the injury bug, George Kittle. Again, he's had a lot of injuries. He's missed games. I don't expect him to play the full 17-game slate, but if he gets even 14 games, I think he is clear in a way, probably a top three tight end, right in the mix with Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey. All right, so who is your number five then, sir?
1: Number five for me, and some may be a little bit surprised because he still had a pretty good year. And I don't think his down year was 100% on him, but I'm going to go with Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper still had over 1,000 yards receiving, really only had about 70 yards less this year than he did last year. Um, he had more receptions this year, but his touchdowns, you know, he only had five, he had eight last year. Still, I think with Dak coming back and with CD Lamb becoming the monster that I think he's going to become, you've seen some of the videos that I've sent you and Ben in the group chat and everything like that. CD Lamb is a monster. So I just think that's going to open up a lot more for Amari Cooper. We know how much Dak likes to spread the football around in general. I think he's in for a monster year as well. Amari Cooper is number five
0: on my bounce back players. Yeah, I'm... <sighs> Both excited and nervous about what his prospects could be. I think that I agree C.D. Lamb is clearly going to be one of their top options, but I do think it leaves either Amari Cooper or Michael Gallup out, depending on game plan. And Amari Cooper has this tendency to have these weird drop-off games every so often that you're just not expecting. So the consistency is not there. And this is for a guy on my own team. So I don't know. I'm hopeful because he had a decent year even with Dak being out, but is he ever going to put up huge monster numbers and be considered a wide receiver one? Probably not. So it's tough to say. Eight touchdowns for him might be a lot in an average year, so he may be experiencing some touchdown regression, but his targets may be up because I do think that that offense with Dak is going to be passing more.
1: He only had five touchdowns last year. He had eight the year before. I think he can hit that eight. I even think he could get double digits because that Dallas defense is still not very good. So I think the offense is going to have to score a lot of points. So I do agree that between him and Michael Gallup, one of them is going to fall off. And honestly, between the two of us, I think it's going to be Michael Gallup. I still think Amari Cooper has a pretty good year. I'm telling you, man, he's on your squad. Just take it.
0: Oh, I... I (laughs) Again, this is more of my worried nature. I think if he was on somebody else's team, I might be more objective. This is me being a little bit close to home. All right, so my number five on my list, Matthew Stafford, a guy who missed a bunch of time last year. I think everybody has some high hopes coming over to the Rams in that system that he could potentially break the top 10 of quarterbacks coming in this year. I like the fit. I don't know what, if he's going to crack the top 10, but I think he's going to be a very viable fantasy option, especially streamers or in redraft this year. And I don't know if the price is too high for where he's sitting draft wise, uh, that you couldn't go out and get him and another option and basically stream your options on a per week basis, because that NFC West is going to be tough, but they're also going to put up a ton of points this season.
1: I think Matt Stafford is going to be in a much better offense than he was last year as well. I think that he has much better targets around him than he had last year as well. I think everything is just trending up for Matt Stafford in this new offense for him. So as as long as he's grasping it quickly enough, I, I do think he's in for a pretty decent year. You're number four then, sir. My number four is somebody that's on my own squad, so maybe it's just wishful thinking, but he also has to have a better year than he had last year. It's going to be Joe Mixon. He was hurt for much of last year, but we also need to remember the Joe Mixon that we have seen before. He once led the league in rushing. Uh, He now has a quarterback as well, so that's going to take a little bit of the stress off of the run game, not stacking eight in the box. And I do think he's going to become more involved in the passing game as well. Two years ago, he had 43 receptions on 55 targets and he had three touchdowns out of the backfield catching, you know, and two years ago, he had eight rush- or eight rushing yards and led the league in rushing. He's never had a year where he's been over 280 attempts and that was only one year anyway. So I do think he's still young. The issue is he's just got to stay healthy. So Joe Mixon for me, I think is in for a pretty big bounce back here.
0: To me, it's not just his health. It's Joe Burrow's health. It's that offensive line as well and keeping all of them healthy because I think they were missing at least their left tackle that they drafted very early last season as well. So if they can all stay healthy, I agree the opportunities there, especially because Gio Bernard is now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They cut him this offseason, so there's not the competition that's immediately behind him that he used to have, and I do think he is a receiving threat. I also think that Zach Taylor, and I guess this is his third year as coach, but really second year in this offensive scheme with most of these players, is going to open up the playbook a little bit more if everybody's able to go. Uh, Having Jamar Chase on this team does help open up the run game potentially more, so I think realistically it's just a matter of health with everybody on that team, and that is something that unfortunately he had to deal with last year, so I agree that the opportunity there. I just don't know. When you get guys that have sustained injuries, I always am a little bit wary. Number four, for me, again, didn't have a bad season, but didn't have a great season. It really was because he was playing with three quarterbacks during the course of the entire year. You ended up having a guy that basically they pulled off of the scrap heap, starting a playoff game and almost beating the Buccaneers in the wildcard round. And that's Terry McLaurin. I think Terry McLaurin's ready for the explosion. I think a lot of people have said this one. This is kind of an obvious mark. Ryan Fitzpatrick there, he ends up throwing a lot to that position in those types of offenses. He's not afraid to throw the ball down the field. And McLaurin is ready for his coming out party in his third year. I think this is the one where he becomes a staple number one wide receiver in fantasy.
1: 150 percent agree with you um he finally has a quarterback i think too that's perfect for him you're right fitz does like to push the ball down the field loves throwing the ball to wide receivers as well i think it's a match made in heaven with those two guys i agree 100 percent like i said that he's in for a huge year all right you're number three then sir My number three, again, is going to be on my own squad, and it's going to be Julio Jones. Again, another guy that was dealing with injuries for much of last year, but even with the injuries that he was dealing with, was still putting up a halfway decent year. 85 yards per game, almost 86. He ended up with three touchdowns in the nine games that he did play. Um, He's now in an offense where maybe you could argue that he's got a better quarterback than he had before. Ryan Tannehill has had been very, very good in the Tennessee Titans offense. Um, He has a very good wide receiver on the other side. I don't know. You're kind of picking apples to oranges, I feel like, with Calvin Ridley and A.J. Brown. I think they're both very, very good young receivers. I just think with now a dominant run game as well, he's going to end up with a lot more favorable matchups on the outside. So... And I really don't think he's all that beat up. I really don't think he's all that old with freak of athletes like he is. I feel like he still has a lot in the tank. So Julio Jones for me.
0: I think that there are several fairly worrying signs for me as to his fantasy value He's not going to be the target monster in that offense that's clearly going to be A.J. Brown. He's going to play second fiddle, which means he's going to adopt a lot of Corey Davis's numbers. And that's if you assume that they're going to run a similar offense with their offensive coordinator now being the Falcons head coach, Arthur Smith. So there are a lot of open question marks. I agree that Derek Henry does change the equations for receivers that you have to kind of pick your poison when you're playing against Tennessee, but I'm very curious to see what kind of offense they're going to end up having in Tennessee before I put my chips down on somebody who's 31, 32 and has had a huge uh, string of injuries over the last several years. All right. My number three is a guy that we picked on a lot last year on this particular program. But I think that with a few new pass catchers in that offense, maybe he finally develops into more of a passer to open up the game for his (laughs) running ability. I'm going with Lamar Jackson.
1: He is my number two, so you go on ahead.
0: All right. So the basic argument is last year was somewhat of a sophomore slump for him, even though it was his second year in the league. Was it his second year? Third year? Third year and in, in the league. Third year. But Third like year his second year is the primary starter. And I think teams figured him out a little bit that they could contain him and contain his legs. So he really needs to work on his passing ability into this offseason. But he's also going to be playing for a contract. Right now, he has not gotten that extension done with Baltimore. And Baltimore has really tried to give him all of the tools to be potentially successful. They went out and they drafted a whole bunch of other guys. They have tried to sign a few guys to put around him, give him every opportunity so that there are no more excuses. I just think the opportunity is ripe. And most people are feeling the burn from having drafted him very early last year. I think this is one where he breaks out. I don't think he'll ever reach the same rushing highs that he had two years ago when he broke onto the scene, but this is a guy that very easily could light the league on fire, and I think Baltimore is a playoff contender, particularly in that division right now with Pittsburgh sinking, and we still don't know if Cleveland was a fluke or not.
1: You know, like I said, he's number two for me, so we'll just jump to me for number two he was sacked a whole lot more. Well, not a whole lot more, but he was sacked more than he was last year with 29 sacks to the 23 the year before. I really do think that teams, I agree that teams have figured out a way to contain him in the pocket, but I don't feel like they've figured out a way to contain his legs in general. He still, he had seven touchdowns last year. He had seven the year before on the ground and he had over a thousand yards this year. And two years ago, he had a thousand two hundred yards. So, I don't think that as he gets older, obviously those are going to drop, but I don't think teams have figured him out in that sense, but I do think they've figured him out how to contain him a little bit more in the pocket. You are absolutely right, though. The Baltimore Ravens have get, are given him every opportunity they can, and they feel like to see if he is a successful quarterback on both the ground and in the air. You know, drafting J.K. Dobbins two years ago, who I think is fit a perfect fit for that offense— Now you have Rashad Bateman this year as well, who I think is a very, very good rookie wide receiver. And I think that it's somebody that fits also really well in that offense as well. But then you had Mark Andrews as well, who we both agree is a top five fantasy tight end. They've given him everything they can for him to be successful. So that being said, that's why I think he's going to be a bounce back candidate. But, you know, he's got to he's got to put it all together.
0: All right. So since that was your number two, we'll move to my number two. Another quarterback makes it into the top five in this one. And again, this is purely on injury because he was having a fantastic year to start out. And simply, we expected him to break a lot of passing records. The offense looks like it's come back. He's got the brand new contract. I expect that the Cowboys are going to be throwing the ball a lot. Dak Prescott is my number two.
1: Oh, here I thought you were going to say Zeke Elliott, so he must be your number one. Dak Prescott, I agree. He was setting the world on fire before he had that disgusting, nasty injury. I do believe that he is prime for a huge bounce-back year. I I already said it. I think CeeDee Lamb is a monster. I think he's going to have a monster year. He's got Zeke Elliott who is a year removed from having COVID. I think he's much more prepared for this year ahead of him. Offensively, nothing has changed. He has the same play caller. He has Michael Gallup as his number three, who I think could be a number two on a lot of other teams. And I think he's got two very good tight ends as well between uh, Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz. So, Dak Prescott, I agree 100%. He's not in my top five because I really didn't think about him because it was just purely injury because I think he was in for a huge year last year. But, yeah, I think if the Cowboys win games, I think he could even be in the MVP conversation
0: towards the end of the year. All right, so your number one. I have a feeling I know who it is.
1: My number one. My number one
0: is Zeke Elliott.
1: (laughs) I talked about it all last year. When he was with Dak, he was average around, I think it was like 15 or 17 points per game. He is battling COVID. He apparently is in the best shape that he's ever been in since coming out of college, weight-wise. I think he's much more prepared for this year. I just think he's in a better space. I think healthy-wise, he's in a better space. I think having Dak back helps him immensely. He still almost put up 1,000 yards, was about 20 yards short. Six touchdowns isn't great. He wasn't great uh, in the goal line situations, but I think he knows how terrible of a year he had last year. He's got his offensive linemen coming back, three offensive linemen coming back, one of those offensive linemen being Tyron Smith. Adding him to any offensive line, I think bolsters any running back. I think Zeke Elliott is in for another another big year, and I think he could be a top five, top three running back this, this year in fantasy.
0: I think you know already my feelings on Ezekiel Elliott. I have been predicting the demise for a long time. At some point, I need you to pull out the Mark Twain quote. The notes of my demise have been grossly over-exaggerated. But essentially put, he has all of the opportunity metrics that you'd expect. He's been in the top five in touches, in goal line touches, in basically yards for every season up until last year. I just... Look at that offensive line. And I know you're high on all of the guys that used to be. To me, Zach Martin is a big deal. Him coming back, because I think he is a elite offensive guard. But Tyron Smith has been out with significant injuries all of the three last seasons. So I don't expect him to finish out the year. And frankly, I'm surprised he didn't retire. Because he has lost everything from where he was elite-wise about three or four years ago. I I don't think he's an above-average tackle at this point. I think he's at best replacement level.
1: And you're forgetting
0: that Travis Frederick is not on that line. Lyle Collins is coming off of a significant injury. And I also, and this is the biggest factor to me, is that when running backs show natural regression, I don't like to bite on that. I also think Um, that the emergence of Tony Pollard is going to take away touches, and this offense is also going to throw the football more with Dak back. So while he may get better opportunities with a less stacked box than he used to have, I don't think that he is the top five running back that he always used to play, and I'd be uh, surprised a little bit if he was in the top ten. I think he is a running back to
1: (laughs) And I have oh my a
0: God! And you I will die so on that hill.
1: Fucking crazy! You sound so fucking crazy. To me, you sound crazy. I understand that these guys have coming off of significant injuries, but you just don't forget how to play football it's something you've been doing your whole life. I'm not banking on them to all fall down and have a you know break their legs. Of course, if they get injured, of course he's going to have a down year. If you're playing with third-string linemen, of course he's going to have a down year. But me making this prediction is thinking that everything is going to go right, that Dak is going to be healthy again, that his offensive line is going to be healthy. I know that they're older. I understand that. But if you should see some of these pictures of Tyron Smith coming into camp. like Dude is in, looks like he is in great shape. If he stays healthy, he's going to have another big year. Tony Pollard, I agree. Very good running back. But we have seen on a million different teams – that you can have two fantasy-relevant running backs on a football team and still be pretty good. And I don't even think Tony Pollard is going to be fantasy-relevant. I just think he's going to take away from some touches as well. But he's not going to take away the goal line work. He's not going to do that. So I I think Zeke is in for a much better year. And like I said, he was averaging around 15 to 17 points per game with Dak Prescott last year. And that's with what Dak was doing. He was still leading the league in touchdowns for a good three weeks after he was hurt. Um, so, I am not as down on Zeke Elliott as you are. You are a hater.
0: <laughs> Call it whatever you'd like. Tyron Smith could be in the best shape of his life. I'm going to be so glad when he features in Beach Bodies World <laughs> magazine later on. Because that oh, means nothing God. when it comes to the season. This, this uh, notion of fun. the training camp bullshit. Training camp bullshit line number one. I'm in the best that. shape I've ever been in I my life. I don't Every into fucking that. player says...
1: I'm just saying, man. You All can right. tell. You can All tell right. if a dude All looks right. decent. We,
0: we <laughs> It'll may be end be up fun. with bold predictions yet and having to It'll uh, be... <laughs> have a long-term bet on that one for the season.
1: <laughs> It'll be fun to come back to this one in a couple of months down the road.
0: That's fine. I said I was willing to die on that hill. Yeah, right, no, I'm n-
1: not I'm not I'm not using it as a threat. I'm just saying it'll be fun to come back to see, you know, what actually happened.
0: I think the more likely conclusion is that he's not even a cowboy in 2 seasons.
1: No, I in a couple of months, not a couple of years. Oh, I know, but Yeah. That's my that long-term prediction. That could be prediction. with the contract. Yeah, with the contract. Exactly. That could be. All right. Especially if Colin
0: proves to be a viable option. So, my number one is an obvious one. We had two slam dunk candidates as the top two running backs coming into last season and pretty obvious choice as the number one overall pick. And he was hurt and he was out for most of last season. But even the couple of games that he did play, he was an all world star. It's the guy that I'm going to be taking number one at the front of my redraft league for my office. It's Christian McCaffrey. Is there really any doubt? Everybody's going to be drafting him number one because he didn't have some of these weird fluky injuries that might be long-term or might be sustaining. He could have played at different periods of time. He had these odd injuries that you don't often see that kept him out. And the Panthers kind of slow played it because they weren't particularly good last year. I think another year in this Joe Brady offense... Yeah, they've got Sam Darnold to come in. I don't know what uh, of an upgrade he's going to be at quarterback, but he is used to, as a pocket passer, dumping the football off, which does make good for Christian McCaffrey touches. And every Christian McCaffrey touch is a great Christian McCaffrey touch. So I think he is by far and away the most obvious choice for bounce back. Can't disagree with you there. All right. Any last thoughts for the week before we close up? I got none, man. It's good to get back
1: into uh, the saddle home and doing, doing this.
0: Yeah, it's good to see you. Thank you to all the listeners and Dynasty players out there. We do appreciate you. We will be back again soon to continue our off-season coverage, but until then... Until then, everybody, have a great weekend and week, and we'll see you next time. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at die download 2020 that's d y download 2020 and as always please follow rate and review the show so that more people can discover that dynasty fantasy is the best form there is this podcast was mixed produced and edited by thomas duncan it is a production of ronnie duncan studios our music is thanks to purple planet music our technical provider and distributor is captivate fm